Blue and White Brothers, the podcast all about Penn State football. Conversation and commentary from a fan perspective. I'm Tom Gaffman. And I'm Andy Gaffman. And we are the The Blue Blue and and White White Brothers. (laughs) Two brothers. Two takes. One team. Wow, bro. Wow. Yeah. What a what an awesome opening weekend of college football, headlined, of course, by that uh, tremendous heart-stopping Penn State victory over Wisconsin. Uh, how you doing, man? Like <laughs> you hanging in there? You, I, you, your heart's I, still beating? <laughs> excuse me. I if you had if we had tried to record this podcast immediately after that game, I wouldn't I wouldn't have been able to have the words. I because I don't I didn't. It took me a while to like really form my thoughts about this game. And you were literally sputtering out sentence fragments. I was I was talked. I was shaking. <laughs> I was like it felt like my heart was palpitating. Um and and I wasn't even at the game. Like, you know, imagine you're Franklin at the game. Imagine you're any of these players at the game. Imagine you're my best friend Cody McKibben was at the game. And I almost went to the game. But man, on, on one hand, I'm glad I I didn't, and the other hand, I'm, I wished I had, you know. So, uh, what what a performance by the Penn State Nittany Lions, and and of course by the defense. Uh, wow, what an impressive impressive win. Well, uh, we have a lot to get to. Um, this is a full episode, um, and here's what we got coming at you. Um, we're going to take most of the first hour just to to talk about that incredible Penn State game. Um, And then we're going to shift in the final half hour to our next opponent, Ball State. Uh, But before we get to that, uh, we got some news and notes. News and notes. First item of news and notes is Penn State wins their opening game of the season in 2021, a 16-10 hard-fought victory. And um, I'm bringing this up for news and notes uh, because in a lot of ways this was a unique game. We we have a lot of kind of interesting stats and uh, things. So, uh, Tom, why don't you take us through some of those things that you were mentioning to me that makes this a really unique game to begin with? Well, I mean, it was the first time we uh, opened a season with, like, a top-ranked team. Team. I think I think the last time we had like a very highly ranked team as our first opponent was the 1999 season when we played number four Arizona and they had their Heisman candidate uh, running back Trung candidate that we smothered um, but and they were number four team and of course Wisconsin was ranked 12th so I mean to start a season first game on the road like that that is you know that 99 game was at home in Beaver Stadium so it's like okay at least that game's at home this is on the road that's a very unique unique first game for Penn State, historically speaking, at least in my lifetime. So, yeah, wild, wild. And it was also the first game in front of fans in over 600 days. So not only are you playing a— Yeah, that, that's weird. You know, yeah. I mean, it's, that's not true just for Penn State, but, like, really much of college football. And, um, yeah, that had an impact on a lot of teams, didn't it? Yeah, and, of course, you know, because, it, you know, the reason we had it had been so long since we were in front of fans, and you know, the COVID, um, we— COVID. That makes this—that just makes this game all the stranger yeah. to begin with because last season we didn't get to, to have the team practicing together with their new coaches and in their new schemes, the new offense. Um, it was all done remotely until like a couple weeks before the season. And it was a late start to that season and a modified season and a totally just awkward existence for Penn State football. Yeah, and like one of the big things about the Fox broadcast of this game was 
the full stadium and like they kept like previewing all throughout the game. I kind of got sick of it. Was the uh, the jump around they feature were all, that was you know it made that win <laughs> that much sweeter that they highlighted it's true. Wisconsin's home you know tradition of jumping around. And uh, by the way, a little side note on on that that song "Jump Around." It is uh, a song by the band House of Pain. And it baffles me, which my buddy Cody McKibben, who's at the game, <laughs> he brought up the point that he's like, Wisconsin's really missing an opportunity to to call uh, Camp Randall Stadium the House of Pain. And, oh, and, yeah. and, and that's the perfect name for that stadium after we went in there and hurt their feelings the way we it did. It is a house you know? of pain, uh, but not... By the way, shout out to my... because they inflicted it. Shout out to my friend um, uh, Bob, who's a uh, Wisconsin Bob. Badger fan, who who ma- Bob the Badger. made the point that actually the house of pain is reserved for uh, Soldier Field down in Chicago because the Bears are pathetic. <laughs> so anyways... That's a Midwest college football yeah, I, I'm in a fantasy it. league with a bunch of Packers and, and Chicago Bears fans and, and Wisconsin fans, so I get to hear it a lot from them. Well, look, there's some other really kind of interesting things that, that comes out of that game, just sort of uh, uh, stats and and uh, fun facts. Uh, this was Franklin's first career road win against a top 15 team. Yeah, and only his second um, career true road win against a top 20 or against a ranked team. Yeah, so it was it was a, yeah, he's um, two of eight against ranked opponents now on the road. Yeah, yeah. So um, Wisconsin had not lost a home opener since 1995, dude. Yeah, uh, I don't know. And I don't remember. Granted, who that this was, was a pretty <laughs> high. De- I don't either. But there's a pretty high degree of difficulty. But but nonetheless, I mean, uh, home openers for Wisconsin ha- have been a gimme for you know over 25 yeah. years. So and, and and so within that though, we are on our sixth game win streak. Against Madison or against Wisconsin, but in Madison, Penn State had not won since 2008. So we got that monkey off our back, which is, you know, yeah. huge. Um, finally, this this is kind of a fun one, uh, and a couple others uh, have pointed this out. But this is the first time since 2014 that a Big Ten game was scoreless at the half. Yeah, and that was the. I mean, if anyone remembers back in 2014, the. the quote-unquote moon game and the reason it was called the moon game because it was against michigan and north it was michigan versus northwestern and when you have the the espn graphic up on the board when at halftime when they're like all right they're going to commercial and they show the scoreboard and it's the big michigan block m and the the northwestern n and then in between that is zero zero, and so it's M zero zero N, and they called it the Moon Game, and it was just a a pitiful oh game to watch. And um, I, I even shared some tweet with you uh, that basically referenced the fact that you know Penn State and and um, Wisconsin are really testing you know the the fans and their love for the game with having to sit through this kind of an endeavor. Uh, Classic Big Ten uh, slug it test. Didn't feel uh, that, that, it didn't feel that way to me in the game though. For some reason, no, it sure did. I don't know why, but it, it just, sure did. I, I, it was a, it, it play, the way it played out was just a, a unique game. Watching our know. offense in the first half felt uh, like a, an exercise Dismal. in that, but 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 the defenses uh, watching the were defense the stars of the game. And, and it was like watching great defense actually made up for the fact that bad offense was happening. <laughs> Yeah, so that moon game, by the way, ended in a 10-9 victory for Michigan. <laughs> yeah. So um, speaking of uh, Big Ten football, uh, there's, a, there's a lot of cool things that happened around the Big Ten East uh, this weekend. Uh, we're just going to highlight a couple of those for you briefly. Um, 
Ohio State, uh, you know, ranked very highly. Um, what are they? Three or four? They I were can't remember. Fourth, but, I believe, ahead of Georgia, behind um, uh, Clemson and Oklahoma. They, they had to uh, uh, to come from behind to beat Minnesota on Thursday night. Eventually, um, getting a forty-five to thirty-one win. Yeah. Ohio State's offense and uh, their passing game finally got in gear in the second half, and it was in- uh, interesting sort of ran to watch that it. game. Uh, you know, have, knowing that we have them on the schedule, um, they had that, they they swapped leads several times in that game, and their redshirt freshman quarterback uh, didn't really get going much in the game at all. But his skill players really made up for his lack of um, you know playing a dominant game against Minnesota. Minnesota looked good too; they really did. Yeah, um, and then um, Maryland, um, who we're going to play in uh, later in the season, right after we play Ohio State, actually, uh, they had a really solid game, uh, an upset win against West Virginia, um, going uh, toe-to-toe with them to the very end, a 30-24 to final score, and um, Tulia Tungavaloa Talia. Talia. Uh, looked... Talia. Sorry. <laughs> Talia Tungavaloa. Um, he threw for 332 yards with three touchdowns. Uh, that kid looks like he's for real. And um, he certainly <laughs> looked, torched us yeah, last year. Yeah. So uh, so watch out, yeah. Penn State. Um, moving through the, the Big Ten East, Rutgers looking like uh, a real football team destroyed Temple 61-14. to yeah, I don't really, I don't really know what to that. make of Rutgers yet because <laughs> you know they've they've been a, a, a surefire win on our schedule for um, many years. But um, Greg Schiano's got that thing moving in the right direction, which you know Maryland and Rutgers going in the right direction makes the Big Big Ten East look better. But it's not necessarily, you know, it's not giving me the warm and fuzzy about some of these yeah. sure victories we were hoping to get That's in between some of these good harder news, victories. Bad news for Penn State. Because right? a lot of you know, Penn State's schedule is looking harder now with some of these teams having great performances. And tell we got a couple more on the on the list here that we're going to tell you about that. Yeah. Are on the so speaking of teams that we thought maybe would be an easy uh, game. Um, Michigan State, who we close the season with, they were dominant over Northwestern. That's a, a thirty-eight to twenty-one victory over Northwestern, who was last year's Big Ten West. They've won two champion. out of the last three Big Ten West championships. Um, so they have, has Mel Tucker's squad well, they, finally found they their have a footage? Walker, a kid named Walker, Kenneth Walker the third running back who ran for Larry Johnson like numbers. He had like 264, 67 yards and four touchdowns. They leaned on that guy and he produced at every turn. Very, very Larry Johnson esque in my opinion. Watching, yeah, well, and and Northwestern is no slouch when it comes to run defense right. either. So that right. was that was uh, that was fascinating. That's our, that's um, our land grant trophy end of the year game. So. So it could be the thorn in our side at the end if we if we were having a good year, you know. Yeah, and finally, um, in, in teams that that looked good this year that didn't last year in the Big Ten East, Michigan uh, dominated Western Michigan. Now it's only Western Michigan, but still, um, some of the headlines are like, "Has Michigan finally found their quarterback?" Um, I don't know about that. Their their passing wasn't great, but. Um, they ran for 335 yards against Western Michigan. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm not, and as far as the Big Big Ten East goes, and and um, you know, opponents on our schedule coming up, we had a, a very interesting the the the, the other um, top 20 matchup in the Big Ten across across a division uh, game between Iowa and Indiana, both of which are on our uh, schedule, and we play them back to back this year. 
Um, it's only this. It's, it's the first time in Big Ten history that two top twenty matchups have happened on the same day in September. So very interesting. Uh, with our game ah, being the with our game being the that. other one, by the way. But uh, Indiana was ranked seventeenth, uh, Iowa eighteenth, and Iowa put a spanking on Michael Penix and the Indiana uh, team. Iowa on the road is tough. This was there at Kinnick Stadium. Um, you know, Penix had three interceptions and only 156 yards passing. Um, and and the, the, the defense, um, I think it was Riley Moss is the, is the defensive back's name. He had two pick sixes against Penix. And so Iowa cruised to a 34 to six win, um, kind of, kind of an, a, yeah, that, a, a wild up, not, not necessarily <laughs> that concerns upset, me but, about Iowa, yeah, but, but yeah. makes me feel a little better about Indiana. I mean, we'll see. It's the first week yeah. and you don't really know how these things are going to shake out. Last uh, little big 10 note, future opponent, Illinois, um, the shine came off the Brett Bielema era when they lost to, um, university of Texas, San Antonio. Um, it was, it was UTSA's. Uh, first ever win over a Power Five team, so yeah, and that was, I believe, at Illinois. So uh, for for the Brett Bielema uh, era, a little bit of a, a, a rocky start there after the Nebraska win. Yeah, uh, look, um, very briefly, um, some some really interesting results around the top twenty five. Um, you know, we're we're all wondering what the rankings going to look like this weekend. Uh, personally, I'm I'm not that excited for Penn State to to move up a lot. I, I like us staying under the radar. And it's Monday morning with one game left to play tonight. It's uh, Louisville, Ole Miss. So we don't know what the ranking is just yet. But here's some of the shifts uh, that are likely to happen with some big upsets this weekend. Probably the most significant for Penn State. Number ten UNC lost to unranked Virginia Tech 10 to 17 on Friday night and uh, Heisman hopeful Sam Howell did not look very good. Yeah, so when you say significant for Penn State, you're saying in terms of us, you know, moving up and uh, Yeah, you know, well they're higher number 10. Rank, yeah. They were ranked ahead of us. Yeah. They looked well, there's a, within that a lot of teams that were ranked ahead of us got beat, and so we'll see a lot of movement here. And and you know LSU ranked 16th, they lost uh, to to UCLA to Chip Kelly's team in in year four under Chip Kelly. They they basically handled LSU. Uh, uh, Michigan transfer Zach Charbonnet ran all over LSU's defense, uh, and, and and including their their All American uh, safety or maybe he's a cornerback um, Stingley Jr. Um, he's going to be a top pick in the NFL draft. He had some shanks back there. Looked really, really bad on defense. The, uh, LSU got beat thirty-eight to twenty-seven. But the 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 biggest game of the of the weekend, um, Georgia Clemson was a very Wisconsin Penn State like game. It did have a very they, they had even less field scoring. Field, there, there was not a single offensive point scored in the game. Only two field goals on special teams for each team, and a Georgia defensive interception touchdown, which was the difference in the game. They were all over, and I'm going to butcher the quarterback for Clemson's name, DJ Ugalele, something like that. I'm sorry. We got Very sorry about that. I don't know how to pronounce it properly yet. But he got sacked seven times. He was on his back more than he threw passes, it seems. So defense was highlighting some of these big games. And last but not least, you know, another upset of the, you know, having never beaten a FBS opponent before. Montana Grizzlies upset number 20 Washington. 
Washington, who was a dark wow. horse for some teams in the or some people in the big uh, Pac-12. So and it then was were, a it was a pathetic game if you yeah. just look at the uh, the box score. It was a seventeen it was to seven? Oh, it was seven nothing. Yeah. Washington for basically the whole game, and then Montana scores. Uh, I think they scored ten points or something. No, it was, se- it was seven, thirteen three. to seven. Was the final? I think right. Yeah, thirteen seven. Anyway, it was. Uh, I think Montana scored something like ten points in the last frame to to come from behind. Yeah. Was, then there were. Then there if were, I'm a was I'm if I'm a Washington fan, I'm I'm having the worst yeah. weekend uh, of, of any fan. Then there were some close calls. Oklahoma almost had a comeback defeat with Tulane, very nearly beating them, uh, but ultimately Oklahoma pulled it out, forty to thirty five. Uh, the stat sheet shows Spencer Rattler having a decent. Day. Pretty good day, in fact. But if you if you watch that game, he looked Rattler looked rattled. He did not look clean. Yeah. He did not look sharp. There was a, a lot of mistakes and miscues on that. I offense. was really pulling for two late for the upset. Of course, of course. it would have been especially duh. with them dealing with Hurricane, the hurricane. Ida, and, and yes, the game was supposed right. to be played in Tulane. So that's right. a I mean how would that have changed points? things too right like you wow. who knows man so uh, you just got you got to give them the W on the basis of adversity alone well, right I mean <laughs> you kind of do if you're a voter you kind of look yes. at that game Good like point. Oklahoma lost in the sense that like they did not play even remotely up to their billing of possibly being a nat- everyone dude everyone's picking Oklahoma to win the national championship including Kirk Herbstreet and uh, a lot of the guys on game day they're picking over Alabama and look what Bama did and they're opening too crushing early. of Miami, Miami way too early well Alabama to looked like the most complete teams. team and I, I would obviously you know yeah. so anyways Oregon yeah. had to come from behind to beat Fresno State number 11 Oregon had to come from behind against Fresno State 31 24 um and then you know in in some um alternate news here to to an unranked team the Kentucky Wildcats our former foe of of we've we lost to them in a bowl game not too long long ago which is very disappointing um they plucked our Will Levis backup quarterback from us in the offseason and man did he have a huge debut um they beat uh who did they beat Kentucky oh they beat like a nobody team it was like University Louisiana, of Louisiana Monroe. Monroe yeah but still he threw for 367 yards on 18 passes for four touchdowns and they didn't even run him they didn't even, like he is our running like backup quarterback and we he we almost never let him like attempt passes until he was supplanting uh Clifford so it was like right well the optics of that are very peculiar in my opinion <laughs> very peculiar well we're happy for uh, Will Levis. We're we're a little uh, little sad for us because um, Sean Clifford did not have the best of days. Um, but nonetheless, um, there's your weekend wrap up. Yeah. Um, of just wonderful, <laughs> exciting uh, weekend of college football. And of course, right in the middle of that was was Penn State's huge victory. Um, I mean, I was on the edge of my seat to the very very end of the game. I'm sure everyone was. Um, how do you even talk about this game, Tom? You you know, you mentioned being speechless, you know, right in, on the heels of it. How do you, how do you talk about it? What what do you want to start I, I, with? How do you I wanna... bet I bet the people who are waking up this morning in South Bend are having an equally difficult time discussing their victory <laughs> against Florida State on the road because they squeaked it out at the very end. That was a, a, an unbelievable game by by Notre Dame and their their Wisconsin transfer quarterback Jack Cohn, Jack Cohn. who had the best first game in Notre Dame quarterback history. 
And I'm Brady. sure every Wisconsin fan in the world watched that game knowingly that Jack Cohn transferred, <laughs> and they're seeing yes. what what their best re, uh, quarterback recruit in history in Graham Mertz did against our defense. And he, Mertz was just uh, he was, and I hate to say it like this, but he had a 2020 Cliffording because he was just <laughs> just erratic. He was uh, making mistakes left and right. He was fumbling the ball away. He was getting sacked left and right, taking hits and uh, throwing okay, the ball away. But, bro, like, what do you want to say about our team? I'm what sorry. What do you want to say I about apologize. Penn State? <laughs> as, as, you know, how do you want to get into talking about our incredible game this well Saturday. well first and foremost i mean the first thing you think of is like holy crap that defense is legit that's the first thing because yeah. that's what we saw but what when i when i really think about it i think about last year in our first game and the football gods gave us this opportunity from above in the exact same way that we were faced with that um that that team indiana last year and how we fell just short of winning that game it was almost the exact same like circumstances, more or less. Yeah, I, I I mean, when Wisconsin has the ball with, what is it, seven, eight minutes left, and we're up by six points, and basically a touchdown is going to give them a one-point you know, victory, potentially. And I, uh, the flashes of Indiana had, it, it, came back, right? Every it's Penn like, State I'm like, fan, oh no, here we go again. Every Penn State fan said, oh no, here we go again, including me. And I, you know, I was conditioned to think that we couldn't pull that out. But you know what Penn State did? They flipped the narrative. They flipped the narrative from last year. They flipped the outcome from last year's game, opening game. And Andy, all offseason, what have I been saying? I said, Penn State and Fr- it's James all Franklin, about Wisconsin. it's all about Wisconsin. Because <laughs> this is how you build a team on a gritty, gutsy, just like downright, you know, just, this is like, you mentioned it to me. It's like, it's like watching a 12-round prize fight. Is what it felt like on defense, you know, just going blow for blow for blow. And it, it just, it was so amazing to watch this team come through all the adversities, all the adversities, the, the, the penalties, the ejection, the turnovers, the missed uh, turnover. I'm sorry, not turnovers, but the missed, missed, missed extra point, missed field goal. It was just like, oh man, we, we shook that, that like ugly monkey right off our back with that just gritty performance in the end. And, and their, their unrelenting nature of not giving up and not getting tired on defense either. It was, it was, that was incredible. It was I mean, I, I thought they were, I, I mean, you could tell, you know, halfway through the, the second half that Wisconsin strategy was just going to be pound, 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 wear us down until we finally break in the end. And I was waiting for it. You were waiting for it to come. I've been and, talking, I was texting you the whole game like, this defense yeah. can't keep this up. This defense can't, can't keep this up. And I was totally wrong. And I was so impressed that I was so wrong about it. We had a <laughs> I know. star player on every level of defense. Yeah, let's talk about this defense. Yeah. So, I mean, the big question mark coming into the game, right? It was uh, for Sean Clifford, but like the D-line, we didn't know what we were going to see. And the way Wisconsin pounded that ball, I mean, uh, they gave us a test. And guess what? Uh, that D-line passed with flying color colors and uh, certainly the, 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 the tackles in the middle there, they, they stuffed that middle 
so many times, but the big breakout player was certainly Arnold, who apparently goes by AK. Arnold Abiketti, yeah, AK, uh, as, I mean, they, as they call him on, on the Penn State he side. He was a force to reckon with, and it was right out of the incredible. Gate, right out of the gate, he had that yeah. huge tackle for loss on the running back, uh, Chaz Malusi, who, by the way, had a very, very solid game for them as a Clemson transfer, Clemson running, workforce, running back man. transfer, which, by the way, Clemson's running backs, I think, uh, what do they do? Like uh, they they only uh, um, between between the the three running backs they only had twenty four t- yards total, and Chaz Malusi had thirty one carries for hundred and twenty some odd yards or something like that. But th- but only for like three point one yards per carry for for uh, Wisconsin running the ball. Yeah, it was not a great yard you know, per carry. We were uh, on running. They, they committed to it. They did, and we just we just stood in there strong. I mean, I I, I think they had a. You know, just a handful of runs that were, you know, over five yards. You know, um, a, a lot of people, a lot of tough sledding. Like I said, I, I, I'm friends with a lot of Wisconsin Badger fans, um, and a lot of them are super torqued that um, Paul Christ calls plays, and and they were super torqued that they did not stretch the field against us or try to. And I'm wondering, you know, with our secondary, did they know they shouldn't try to? Because look, when they tried to. Mertz was rattled. Mertz was throwing picks. Yeah, you know. So, yeah. well, I mean, honestly, it's a defensible strategy because our defense was porous against the run. Yeah, you know, I mean, it's just like, I mean, he doubled and tripled down on it. But, um, you know, not 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 only against the run, but against the pass too. We were harassing Graham Mertz. He yeah. looked flustered. Yeah, really. I mean, the first series, uh, Ebikadi, um, you know, he he hurried the pass and just. Put his helmet right into the. I mean, back it, it was of Graham it Mertz was darn and, near a uh, a fumble, and we did recover yeah. it. it. It looked like a fumble in the moment, and they called it a fumble, and then they re- re- reviewed it and showed that his arm was coming forward. But uh, I mean, it was textbook blindside rock 'em oh, sock 'em. It was like incredible, yeah, and <laughs> like. Just picture perfect, like that kind of stuff affects a, it, it oh, affects yeah. a quarterback for the rest of the game. Let's put it this and way: I really think it. Must Ak have. on their on their first drive, Wisconsin's first drive, he had an immediate tackle for a loss, and then he put his helmet in the back of Graham Mertz. And those two plays, as a quarterback, seeing that happen, you are now firmly and keenly aware of your blind side not being uh, like protected. You know, if this guy's breaking through on the first drive like that twice and making huge, huge disruptive plays like that, it's probably in the back of his mind on every drop back. <laughs> yeah, and on the other side of the the defensive line, um, Jesse Lucada making his first start as defensive end, and he looked really good as well. Yeah, this is this is okay. Look, everybody <laughs> talking about uh, this game leading up to it, literally in the moment when they're announcing uh, the Fo- the Fox announcers are announcing Wisconsin's offensive line, they're like, "Hey, this Wisconsin line is." They're talking about it being one of the best Wisconsin's ever had, and we as Penn State are coming in with multiple transfers. We had lost. I think four, three starters and and four like big time contributors from last year on our defensive line. So we're basically a completely revamped, retooled kind of patchwork with transfers, defensive line being one of the biggest, if not the biggest, question mark on our entire Penn State team, not just defense team. So you know to have them go up. Against you know Jesse Lucchetti moving from linebacker, Arnold Abiketti coming over from Temple. You know these two dudes are playing Big Ten football at the defensive end position for the first time ever, 
And they made their presence against felt, Wisconsin. Made their presence felt on the road against a Wisconsin offensive line that is typically extremely, extremely I mean, good all day. Yeah, they were unrelenting. They were harassing them. It was amazing. Well, look behind them, we had a linebacking crew that we expected to be good. And you and I were talking about Brandon Smith and Curtis Jacobs, and and those guys had a decent day. But what we didn't see coming was the day that Ellis Brooks had. I mean, yeah. dude came to his he came into his own as a middle linebacker. Absolutely. I mean, it was incredible. He was in the middle of every play and and the way that Wisconsin ran at us, you know, the discipline that we had um you know, that speaks a lot to uh, to the the center of that linebacking crew, uh, Ellis Brooks just just having himself a day. He really looked and and felt like the quarterback on the field for the defense. It was impressive. Props to Ellis Brooks. Yeah, I mean our top two line our top two linebackers, Ellis Brooks and Brandon Smith, they almost had twenty tackles between them. You know, like um, and a ton of solo tackles too. Ellis Brooks just had a day, man. He also had a sack and a tackle for loss. So he's showing his ability to not just be Stout in 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 making the right reads and being in the right gaps, but uh, you know also disrupting in the backfield. So and that's that's an element of his game we didn't see a ton of last year. So to have to see him play a complete game like this against a worthy worthy opponent in Wisconsin, you know you mentioned to me that you know we didn't hear a lot from the defensive tackles. Uh, minus PJ Mustafer having some some awesome splash plays. We're not taking anything away from the defensive tackles at all, but. The, the way that uh, Ellis Brooks was able to operate there is indicative of how well the defensive tackles and defensive line played as a unit because Ellis Brooks yeah. was not getting bottled up by you know one or two blockers making it to the next level. So that's right. He was not getting blocked to the second level. He had a, you know, and credit to him too. He he had a good nose for the ball. He was able to yeah. fill the gap that yeah. the runner was coming through yeah. um, time and again. Um, so yeah, it was you know they weren't able to get outside. They weren't able to get inside. Um, as you said, it was like three point one yards per carry uh, for their their running game all day, which yeah. is like you know, <laughs> I mean that's less than ten yards. Over the course of three plays, that's a great way to shut you know make that running game less than effective. Actually, it was it was less than three point one. It was three, and they had a long. Yeah. So I'm seeing they had a long run of of 19 yards. So yeah, I remember they did break one out in an inopportune moment. But but I mean, but for the most part, they were they were held you know to under five yards uh, for most most running plays. Yeah, it was it was it was really impressive. It was it was. Um, so now look. At the end of the game, after after you know punching the ball, running the ball, uh, they had to abandon the run. You know they couldn't make any get anything going in the red zone, playing from behind. And so they clock ticking. You know, and, and what we don't really have a good sense of because we're not experts, but uh, how well the the secondary played for the first three quarters. That Graham Mertz didn't have a lot of time to throw, and when he was thrown, he didn't have a lot of success throwing. But in that last quarter of the game. You really saw the strength of the secondary. You saw the elite play of the secondary. It was, I mean, those guys, they won the game for us, man. They they put the nail in the coffin. They put two yeah, nails in the coffin. They put good two nails put in the yeah. you know, they they closed. They closed. And 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 in years past, and I'm not really kind of trying to outline any particular moments or any particular games or any particular players, but in years past, it has felt like our I mean, man, go go back to like the the Rose Bowl in 2016. The secondary 
could not close that game. You know, go to the Ohio State game in 2017. The secondary could not close that game. And and here we are. And I, and I know Wisconsin's not Ohio State, and Wisconsin's not USC in terms of a passing attack. But it's it like it has just felt like Penn State's secondary has been porous when it has needed to be locked down and 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 you know seal the victory for our, our teams when these other teams are coming back. We've always given up these these big like fourth quarter comebacks in, uh, to some of these teams, and not today, not on Saturday, no. Our two transfer uh, safeties come up with, and the fir- first and foremost was Jaquan Briskers on fourth down, at, almost at the the end zone, uh, at the goal line. He made the most beautiful read when um, the running back for Wisconsin um, was gonna, uh, if he had been flushed out of the pocket on a, like a route, Jaquan Brisker was supposed to follow him. He did not get uh, sucked inside to to covering that running back when the, when the running back stayed in for protection. He didn't. He wisely, like a veteran, read that the guy read that the running back was uh, staying in for protection and perfectly read the quarterback's eyes immediately as he went to go to to his tight end in the seam and picked off the pass perfectly. And I mean perfectly caught it like a receiver and immediately went on the offensive and start and ran it back for 41 yards to almost midfield and he almost broke it but that same running back um didn't get blocked at the end and pushed him out of bounds near midfield but still even breaking bringing it out that far huge for our team's ability to 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 flip the field you know well look uh Wisconsin had four trips to the red zone they came away with seven points and three turnovers, two of which were interceptions by uh, by the safeties. Um, Jaquan Brisker, just then, as you mentioned, who then, you know, taking it out to the 40, which was a huge deal because now you're not, you know, trying to play prevent offense, you know, right. on your own five-yard I mean, line did, or whatever. We, yeah, but not on our five. <clears throat> I know, we but, but then we could punt it. You know, we but could we, punt it away. But Which, by the way, side note, Franklin <laughs> made the right call in not trying to get that first down by passing. He ran. Well, I guess he did do a pass, but but he did a not swing pass. He did not yeah. like try to go for the dagger, and he bled Some the clock. Game management. He, he that was game the smart management. game management call for him. Yes. Um. Yeah. Especially with the way uh, Wisconsin was having trouble moving the ball in the, in the passing game, and yeah. and really put pressure on them. And, and, and um, say nothing, by the way, of Brisker's heart in this game. And, oh yeah, and, you know, like oh, yeah. he was down. He was three, an Iron maybe Man four times for I, I think a multitude of of, of uh, medical problems. What one being I think cramping, uh, and I don't know what the other two issues were. I thought one time he was concussed, but I don't think that ended up being the case. But he was down and out a couple times, few times, and he just kept coming back. You get you just kept seeing his name back out there and his his number back out there, and it was like wow, this dude. You know, came back for his senior year to do this, to play this game, to have that impact, to be a leader, and to not let his teammates down. And that's just a gutsy, gritty performance. And that's why, to me, he ends up being, you know, our our player of the game in a lot of respects. Uh, just because he made that that critical, critical play at the end there that really sealed the victory. Yeah, uh, um, you know, so props goes to the whole secondary. The, the you know the other play, um, I think it was right before. Yeah, the play before uh, the Brisker, 
the the Brisker interception. Um, Joey Porter Jr. had a had a great uh, uh, pass defense. Uh, I mean, th- there was a touchdown waiting for happen, and and um, yeah. Joey Porter Jr. like just Teflon coverage, just like sticking to the guy like glue and, and knock down the pass that would have been a sure touchdown. Um, there was, I mean, there's really only one major lapse in coverage on the day, um, and that was on that final series where Wisconsin uh, was was you know, really had their backs up against the wall yeah. and um there there was an open receiver in the end zone um the, you know he had separation and and Mertz thankfully <laughs> missed that pass and then and then on the very next play is where he had the intentional grounding he, and, he also earlier um, on that drive had, or maybe it was the last drive he, he had two quick like 15 to 20 yard outs that were easily picked up by, you know, we, yeah, we didn't, just off coverage. Yeah. We were just playing. It was off coverage. coverage. It was, yeah. that was more of like the Brent, I mean, that's the first time all day that Brent pry, uh, you know, basically played soft coverage and, yeah. you know, we could sort of second guess the, that decision, you know, that gave, I mean, without those two passes, Mertz is under 150 yards for the day, probably, I you know, know. <laughs> I know. So, he, he was, we held him to um, 185 yards passing, um, 22 of 37, which is decent. But look, his his average per attempt was five yards. So yeah. their average per rush was three yards. Their average yeah. per passing attempt was five yards. His QBR 18. was 18 and a half. I mean, to, to put that uh, into with perspective. With those two interceptions, To zero put that touchdowns. into perspective, Clifford did not have his best day, obviously, especially in the first half, but he came came on in the second half. Um, Clifford had a had a QBR of 69.3. So, you know, that just goes to show you how That's bad what happens when you Mertz. don't turn <laughs> yeah. the ball over. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so, yeah. so look, let's talk about that offense. Um, defense, obviously, was a strength of the game. They basically, you know, without that defense, we don't win the game. But Truthfully, you know, Wisconsin scored 10 points. <laughs> the defense did not score any points yesterday, uh, I should say on Saturday. So our offense did have to do something, and they did just enough they in the did. second half to yeah. come away. They, they they scored 17 points, probably could have scored 20 um, thanks to a missed field goal, missed extra point, but, but nonetheless um, – and I didn't know that that was going to happen going into the second half because the first half, the offensive performance was so inept. Putrid. It was putrid. It one was first down. Painful. One first down. Painful to watch. One first down. 40, what, 43 yards of offense in the first half or something, something like that. Something like that. It was, yeah. you know. Um, but I think I we think had Clifford negative had, rushing yards in the first half. I mean, that's yeah, shocking. We had negative to me. rushing yards, negative two yards rushing. Clifford had basically two decent passes in the whole first half. Yeah. Yep. The offensive line looked confused. Uh, you know, Wisconsin was twisting and stunting. Uh, you know, was, Clifford looked a lot like last year's Clifford. He was he was rushing his throws. He was scared. He was throwing his off his back foot. Poor, th- exactly missing missing open receivers. Um, I, you know, I think we had one put you know close. To being interception if their if their defensive uh, player of, from Wisconsin if they had been paying attention they may have picked us off um, so you know a couple lucky breaks there you know again credit to Clifford didn't turn the ball over and that that I mean in a lot of ways that really was the difference in the game and if Clifford has made any growth from last year to this year the growth in not turning the ball over in a close game against a tough defense and a big time opponent I mean I'll take it because. Because that'll win us some games that we would otherwise have lost. 
Yeah. But in terms of the offense looking like next level, you know, next generation, Mike Yursich is the genius that we all hoped he was, that did not look that way at all. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it felt like, well, it felt, what it felt like was I needed the offense to help the defense. That's what I, like, <laughs> no, just, just I mean, on the ball for I mean, a minute. <laughs> the, the defense was on the field for 90, what, 95, 96, 95, 95 plays and 42 mi- plus minutes. So, like, you need your offense to help your defense out for crying out loud. You really, really do. And in, in, so, so this offense <laughs> is looking like they don't know how to hold on to the ball yet in terms of time of possession. So we need to figure that out because the defense, I mean, I was worried the whole game that they, they would be out there too long and it ended up not necessarily being true because they were stout and strong and fresh at the end somehow, miraculously. But can they do that all year long against – can they do that against Ohio State? Can they do that against Iowa? Yeah, right. I, I don't know, and I don't want to know. We need this offense We're gonna to get going. We're going to have to score some points yeah, going yeah. forward. We're and definitely we going to have to score some we points. We saw glimpses, glimpses of perfection out of Clifford. We did. Yes. A couple Second of those dr- – half- there was a turnaround, and and so you know one of the half-time big things you got to credit uh, Mike Yersich with with halftime adjustments, um, whatever he did, whatever you know he he got Clifford comfortable. Um, you know they started throwing some quick passes to the outside, get around the center of that Wisconsin defense. You got to wonder why you weren't doing that to start, but you know you, you know you, you made those adjustments. You get you get Clifford. He made some very decent you know Listen. completions, which Listen. you know. It was, some of them were really easy passes, but guess what? Clifford doesn't always hit the easy passes, does he? Listen, for as bad as that first half was for Clifford, I mean, we gotta we gotta remember how bad Penn State's offense, uh, you know, looked under Joe Mo to start out for. I mean, we had that big offensive output against point. Pittsburgh in 2016, but beyond that, I mean, Michigan. What did we put up? Ten points against Michigan. You know, in our fourth game of yeah. the season, before we started figuring things out under a new offensive, yeah, we had nearly lost to Minnesota at home. We, it right. took overtime to win that game. Right, right. So that, that away game at Michigan, our offense was totally inept. They they beat us what forty nine right. to ten was it something like uh, that? It was yeah, right. So so that was the fourth game of the year for for Penn State and under a new offense. Now I'm not relating this exact team to the 2016 team exactly because we have a lot more playmakers on this team and a lot more talent on this team than we did in 2016. And we're not we're not dealing with um, you know historically uh, egregious uh, injuries uh, along all you know linebackers and offensive linemen. We were dealing with injuries like never before at Penn State and and just depth issues. This team is much deeper than that team and so we should be able to figure this offensive offensive scheme out more quickly under Mike Yurcich. Um and and yeah, I think one of the the big keys is going to be the offensive line kind of figuring their scheme out and and giving him a little more time. When Clifford has some time, he looks a lot better. When he's comfortable back there, he looks better. And you know, I think also getting the ball out of his hands more quickly you know, when he was comfortable, there was a, on one of the touchdown drives, Clifford was four for four, including a nice long right, bomb. Right. I can't so, remember which, so that was which one half. of those it was. But in the first yeah, in the half, second half, in the exactly. first half, we were cycling our left guard uh, rotation. We, oh, we were right. cycling Anthony Wigan and the Harvard transfer, uh, Eric Wilson. And by the second half, actually by the second quarter, I believe, Eric Wilson 
was in there, I think, for until the end of the game. So Yeah, he it, had 40 snaps to Wiggins' 11. 41. 41 to 11, I think it was. Yeah. And and Eric was so, so that it, with... Um, you know, being on the road against that uh, really, really strong Wisconsin defense, this offensive line got a chance to gel by the second half and started kind of shoring up some of the protection issues with with Eric Wilson remaining in there and getting some continuity along the line with the five of them together. So it looks like we might have our starting left guard for the foreseeable future, uh, and I really look for that offensive line to get better and better with knowing who our starters are and those guys getting to play together, uh, you know, snap in and snap out, and having a full game week of prep, um, five of them together without having to, you know, cycle in, you know, rotations and, and like giving guys extra snaps. Like, no, let's get this, let's get this, these, this five, um, crew, uh, offensive line together and let's, let's let them start gelling with this offensive, um, scheme that is just starting to feel itself out against, uh, Wisconsin in the second half and starting to produce some yards. They had, dude, they, they won the explosive battle by far. Oh, all right. So, so between not turning the ball over and those explosive plays, that was the difference in this game. So Yursich knows what he's doing. He knows what he's doing. He just needs to get all these players on the same page still. I mean, it, it was really great to see those lo- those long downfield passes and for them to be completions. I feel like it hasn't been since it was a Trace McSorley led yeah. offense that we've really seen those those things happen. Um, you know, Clifford had some of those back in uh, 2019, but it was few and far between. So yeah, it was, it was KJ Hamler or no those. one in 2019. Correct. And last um, year it was yeah, like and a lot of it was like underneath. Opponents. Yeah, a lot of it was underneath passing too that's that true. that Hamler would then just you know take to the house. But that's like, true. so you know if that's you know if that's what we're going to see this year, especially if we can get those uh, completion percentage rates uh, up for Clifford, that that'll be exciting. Um, here's the other thing that we saw in the second half that we didn't see in the first, which is the run game starting to get going with Noah Kane up through the end of the third quarter. I think he had something like. Two carries for negative three that's, yards. To me, that's inexcusable. I mean, it really is. Yeah. If he's if he's healthy, he should have been given the rock. He should have been given the lion's share of the carries until like you needed to give him a break. Like you need to get our number one offense out there and clicking. That's what you need to do. That's what you and you like. You have to hold on to the ball. You want to retain possession of the ball. You need to give your defense a break. Like just. Commit to some level of the running attack because Clifford wasn't showing signs of of life yet. So you know, Noah Kane to me is a is a more of a, a known quantity and a, and a more, a more a better commodity at that stage in the game than Clifford was. I, I just was shocked to see, and they were just trying to run Devin Ford and and Kevon Lee up the middle, and there was nothing to be gained up the middle. Yeah. It was being bounced to the outside, which is where the perimeter was showing signs of. Every time Noah King got a big play, it was along the side sideline. Yes, you know, yes. so it was, he had a big long run um, through a, through an outside zone and a where catch he just. As well. he, yeah, and he had a he had a, a swing pass that where he broke a tackle and and you know ran for you know a good chunk of yards. It was it was good to see him look like himself. And of course, he he ended up um, just bulldozing his way to a two yard touchdown. Hit, or I think that was a, our go ahead uh, touchdown. It reminds me of the Iowa seventeen to twelve Iowa yeah, game absolutely. in two thousand nineteen that he was the difference. His touchdown 
run was the difference and uh, uh, the winning touchdown in that game, and almost ex- almost identical score on the road, similarly. So very, you know, Noah Kane. I'm, to me, he's a weapon. And he is a, an important piece of this offense that I really believe you have to give him like 60 to 70% of these carries, man. Like maybe more. I mean, to me, he yeah. might deserve more. I don't, maybe they're just playing it safe because of the injury from last year. I don't know. But man, he looks hungry and man, he looks capable. So some some real nice flashes of this offense. It'd be nice to see it more consistently, hopefully as they start putting things together, we will. Um, one last item that I wanted to just point out uh, about this game, sort of a, a sort of a dark horse contributor to the outcome of this game was the no turnovers in combination with fantastic punting oh, yeah. by Jordan Stout. I Absolutely. mean, Jordan Stout had some miscues on the day in his place kicking. That's an understatement. In terms of punting, and, right. In terms of <laughs> punting, though, um, he had as much of a, a hand in the win as anyone else. He he was incredible on on punts. Uh, seven punts for 377 yards. His average punt was 53.9 yards, and he had a long of 76 yards. I think I read, so I think I read even somewhere when, that, that, that that was the third most the third largest average in a game in Penn State history and the fifth longest I mean punt. I'm surprised it's not first honestly yeah, but yeah yeah but I mean you talk about flipping the field you that know was, um, it was in- it w- integral for our defense to have that totally uh, integral to have to totally. not be turning cuz last year how many times was the defense you know given you know like the reason why we had more yards than Indiana in the opening game last year was because our offense was turning the ball over on their side of the field all the time and yeah. giving them Indiana a short field Indiana had short field we had the long field exactly so, so we flipped so the we script in this flipped game flipped the script <laughs> yeah we totally we flipped uh, the field yeah. and flipped I mean, the script and that's why one of the reasons why Wisconsin had to run 95 plays right is because right. they were starting deep in their own territory a yep. lot of the time they had to go the whole length of the field um so on all on their drives i mean they they only got into the red zone four times and so yeah the defense was on the field for a long time but um a lot of that was because our punting uh you know put Wisconsin in a tough spot all day so uh kudos to Jordan Stout Andy, Andy. and then Andy, like yeah. honestly, <laughs> like like uh, you can complain about the first half offense all you want. You can complain about how bad Clifford looked all you want. He did not make the mistakes of the Clifford of old. He did not make the the game like like murdering mistakes that he had made uh, from last year. He yeah could, he did absolutely. not fumble the ball. He did not throw it away. I know he had some errant passes, but. If you if you can keep Clifford on that trajectory of getting better and 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 not turning the ball over with this defense and that punting, dude. I mean, mm-hmm. there's there's it's a, a lot a of promise here. I you got to give this offense a chance. You got to give this offense a chance to to really settle in and get in their groove and and start firing on all cylinders because this team has legitimate camaraderie. They really, really do, and they really lift each other up. Uh, both, you know, during the during the game at halftime, I I read that <clears throat> at halftime, you know, these these play these players, these offensive players, were not frustrated. 
They were not frustrated. Right. Clifford was not frustrated. I was frustrated. Jahan Dotson was I, I not was frustrated. frustrated. <laughs> they were picking each right. other up, and they were like, this offense is going to get going. Mike, they had all the faith in the world in Mike Yurcich, and the halftime adjustments were made on offense, and they started moving the ball. Clifford had 200 yards passing and two touchdowns in the second half. If he had had a whole game like that, we'd be talking about Clifford being back, baby. He's back. Like So just yeah, give right. this, exactly. this is his, what, third or fourth offensive coordinator? Give him Third, a break. Yeah. Let him let let him have this like you know these first few games to really get settled in here, and let's see where it can go from here. Because the other aspects of this team are are potentially you know you know um, lining up for us to have a special chance a, a chance for a special year. Yeah, a chance. You, you know, but you, what you were mentioning about though the confidence um, that they went at halftime, specifically for Clifford, right? Because like part of what we had sensed last year that was a miss is that Clifford was was sort of of the mindset that he was he the one that single handedly had to yeah. win the game, and that's when yeah. he would press Very and do those things. Very good. Point, and, and so for him to kind of feel like. It's okay. It's not on me. I have confidence in my team. I have confidence in my coach. Yeah. They have confidence in me. Yeah. Like, I mean, I, you got to expect that that mentality. I mean, when your defense you know, has the game one, zero well, zero too. You know, when you're yeah, and, and um, Rashid Walker had a quote where he said, "Look, you know." We weren't frustrated going in because we knew it was zero zero. Like yeah. for the defense to hand them, you know, a shutout, you know, to give them the time they needed to get themselves figured out. I mean, imagine if Wisconsin's up by you know fourteen points right. or something or like that. You know, like it's like that, yeah. okay, now totally you're different mindset. Right? So Cooper could come it was out in the great, second half, you know, start throwing interceptions and just trying to press in too hard. This defense gave exactly. him the ability, gave Clifford and the offense the ability to to feel it out. You know, and that's Look, huge. Franklin, huge. Preaches complimentary football, and this really was that. And and you really got the sense of the team. It was a full team effort all the way around. There were yeah. mistakes, especially you know some 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 special teams mistakes. There were some you know poor performances on offense where they really just weren't clicking. But but the whole team uh, worked together. It was really really fun to see. It's the kind. Of, I mean, look, I was having a heart attack. I you know I was I, I was yeah. not happy watching the game a lot of time because I was it, so anxious. It, but, almost felt but in like retrospect, in it, retrospect, it was just a really, really fun game to watch. It was it was great to watch this team. The, the level uh, put of anxiousness like that. that I it was experiencing, kind of. I'm not saying the game reminded me of this, but the but the feelings that I had reminded me of the Big Ten championship game when it was like up and down and up and down and back and forth and 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 you know big swings of emotion. In in a game like this, and big swings of emotion in a game like we had against Wisconsin in the Big Ten Championship, I mean, huge swings in emotion. So so you, you know, moving forward, Andy, you know, how do you build on a win like this? Um, you, you know, it's like, can can you climb back to that like um, even keeled team after winning yeah. on the road in a very high emotion game? Can you, yeah, can you, very can good you, point. you know, can you, can you do that? The very, you know, cause, and I'm not trying to get into Ball State yet, but we have a, a very competitive Ball State team coming in as a MAC champion, be, beat uh, uh, San Jose State in the um, uh, Arizona Bowl. So they had a really great season uh, and they have a lot of their production back, 20 starters. And here we, we, we have that game sandwiched between um, this, this victory on the road and a home whiteout game against Auburn. And it's like, what, <laughs> yeah. is this a trap game? It makes you wonder. But so, so in terms of building on a win, like this, 
you've got to shore up the problems quickly because you got an opportunistic team coming in here ready to pounce on a on a potentially emotionally vulnerable Penn State. And I'm not saying they they're going to be. I say potential. Yeah, but they're going to be exhausted after this game, like I emotionally. Think, I think and so. Physically. You know, it was a physical game. So, so I, you know, I think one of the things to build on this win, like yes, we saw flashes from the offense, but but we've got to see. Um, we got to see more consistency on the offense that, you know, that's how you build on this. And especially with the defense being where they are, I, you know, I don't know that ball state's going to give you the kind of trouble for your defense that uh, Wisconsin did, but you know, we got to give those guys a chance to kind of have some space (laughs) for the game, not to be on the line uh, and on their shoulder. So I I think that looks like number one, Clifford's completion percentage uh, getting much, much better. Yeah. Um, He was, he was just at like 56%. I thought 55 um, I think you know whatever it is it wasn't great um and I think then also you got to get the run game going I mean in the fourth quarter alone we had like something like you know 50 yards rushing like hey can we have 50 yards rushing every quarter please yeah so um you know yeah. that would be a tremendous those are the two big uh, ones game I, rushing. I, I'm, yeah so, absolutely so that, that not only will that give the defense a little bit more time on the sideline, but it also lead you expect to more points and a bigger, uh, you know, bigger sense that like this is an offense that can move the ball and score points a lot more regularly. So the defense just doesn't have as much riding on their shoulders. To I me, think, that's I think you got to build. I think it is that. a matter of time, Andy, until until this offense is is producing a lot of points uh, in the thirty plus range uh, and maybe more potentially because Franklin has been stressing uh, since Joe Mo, since maybe even just before Joe Mo, how how it's important. To, he says the two biggest things are t- the two biggest statistics in all. Of college football are turnovers and explosive plays. So he puts a very, very large emphasis on explosive plays, and that's why he hired Yursich. That's why he wanted to hire him last year before he hired Kirk Shiraka. And and when he once he was able to hire uh Mike Yursich, that has been and that's the staple of Mike Yursich's teams is you know the, these air raid offenses. And you know, and I think Yursich will get that running game going. He wants to get that running game going. I just think with it being the first game against a very, very difficult uh, Wisconsin defense, it just wasn't in the cards right away. The offensive line wasn't gelling yet, and and now I think they have the opportunity to start gelling in some of those respects. And and hopefully, even Andy getting our two stud tight ends involved, which Franklin's been touting as one of the best, if not the best, tight end room in the country. They definitely weren't on display. They dropped a couple passes. Uh, they need to fix those drop passes for sure. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, but but really, to me, it's still this team is going to be relying on the defense. So how can the defense even get better? The defense can yeah. get better for me is seeing these unbelievably athletic outside linebackers in Brandon Smith and Curtis Jacobs, both five stars. You got to get these guys moving around, making plays in the backfield, disrupting the ball, disrupting offensive flow, being opportunistic, intercepting balls, whatever it is. Just you need to see these guys highly active and involved in, in the defensive uh, play calling. Yeah, I, again, I'm not a I'm not a football analyst, but it looked very much like Penn State was relying more on a base 
type defense, like the pressure that we were getting on the quarterback was really coming just from the the natural pass rush of the defensive ends. More or less, um, there yeah. was not a lot. There was not a lot of stunting. There was not a lot of um, you know uh, blitzing on the part of the linebackers. And um, yeah, so I, I agree with you. Nice to get the linebackers a little more involved. Um, get some more sacks on the quarterback. Um, some more splash plays. Some more explosive plays and turnovers on defense. But I would also say. Um, we also need to make sure we're just not uh, going to grow complacent mm-hmm. uh, against yeah. uh, you know a quote unquote lesser opponent. I mean, th- this defense was so focused; they were so dialed in. They were they were you know t- just fundamentally in terms of their tackling, their positioning. Uh, you know, we got to keep that going. Uh, building on it will just be not letting <laughs> off the gas on that. Uh, they got to stay hungry and and stay disciplined. I'd I think, love to see that continued, like you know, blue collar yeah. attitude when it comes. Yeah, to, I mean, to it, the D blue collar attitude was on display on the road against Wisconsin. You'd like to think you could see that on display even more at home when the crowd is on your side against an inferior yeah. offensive line. You know, can our our yeah. defensive line should be able to overwhelm Ball State's offensive line, and I want you know I want to see them pitch another shutout in in one of the two halves, if not both, and that starts on the defensive line. Because you know, Ball State's got a passing attack um, that that you know we're we're kind of expecting to see, and that's how you disrupt a a, uh, a you know an overmatched team when their when their gimmicky offense is a passing attack, dinking and dunking all over the place. Our defensive line needs to get home. They need to get home and disrupt that, rattle that quarterback, and 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 make him hear footsteps the whole time. That's I want to see Mustafer. I want to see Lucada. I want to see Ebiketti and some of these other defensive linemen breaking through single and double uh, teams to, to being disruptive. <clears throat> Look, we're going we're gonna to take a turn here in just a minute to Ball State. But before we leave, you know, we, you can, we can tell the excitement that we have oh, yeah. <laughs> coming I mean, off last year of this, this incredible win. <laughs> right, exactly. You know, it was 10 to 16. And, and look, it could have gone the other way very easily in those last eight minutes. Um, had one or two things changed. There's a lot to to grow uh, from here and and to learn, but it was a win on the road against yeah. a top twelve opponent. Uh, what does starting the season with a win like that do for you? How does it become a springboard for the rest of the season? What you know what. Where do we go from here? What what is this? How is this going to be the launching pad? I mean, it's a it's a building block, Andy. It's one one of many building blocks that we must um, have in place to to go on the road to to play Iowa toe to toe, which who looks really good right now. Yeah, our road schedule is really nasty. Oh, it is having this. You know, does this give you some confidence and a sense of uh, we know what it takes to go into a hostile stadium? I mean, because yeah, we, like we go because then not not long after that Iowa game, we go on the road to Ohio State, and we know what that's going to be like. It always is tough, you know. We even won in the horseshoe. I don't even know the last time we won in the horseshoe. I think it was um, Daryl Clark uh, got got knocked out with a concussion in like two thousand eight. I want to say, and then our backup—I uh, can't even remember his name. Our backup 
a really good quarterback uh, that uh, he ended up transferring to Delaware. I can't remember his name, but he ended up winning the game for us. Uh, Terrell Pryor fumbled, and and we secured the win. Essentially, it was like a thirteen to seven game. I was actually I was actually in Iraq watching the VHS tape that my dad sent to me. <laughs> nice. um, but uh, <laughs> anyway, so so that, I think that was two thousand eight. I think it's the last time we won on the hor- won in the horseshoe on the road. So yeah, and then we even have to play Michigan State on the road. I think to, for the land we have grant to play trip. Maryland on the road. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I mean these these are uh, going mean, to be competitive games for sure. Yes, and so gonna, this so, win so, this win against Wisconsin on the road is a a massive first building block. A massive first building block. Not this is little baby like oh we we beat I- Idaho seventy nine to seven or whatever the score was when we beat Idaho in two thousand nineteen to start this. You know, dude, back in two thousand nineteen, we started the season five and zero. We were averaging forty seven points per game during that five zero stretch. But like, did any of those games really, really set us up for beating Minnesota on the road? Or, or, or playing Ohio State, uh, it doesn't feel like it was like, uh, it made us overconfident and made us overranked in the polls too. You know, to yeah. have that offense firing like that, but but a win like this, gritty, like blue collar, never relenting, yeah. never giving up, never giving up hope, like against an, a higher ranked team, dude. Wisconsin on the road. <laughs> Here's the other thing I like about this win is that it wasn't a perfect win. Like it, you know, exactly. It, if the the biggest improvements in any team occur between week one and week two, there's no way this team, you know, particularly the offense, is going to be going into this week and say, "Oh yeah, oh, hey, we, we got this." Figure no, it out. no, it, you're right. It's <laughs> yeah. like this is I'll say, "Wow, we got a we got a win," and we can clearly see how much we have to work on. Um, you know, we we saw so some you flashes. Go back to work I, knowing there's been motivated out there. Yeah, exactly. Motivated yeah. to work hard. We're, um, we're, and and with you, some of those question marks, some of those question marks answered. You know about like, okay, who is going to be your feature running back? Who is going to be your starting? You know, left guard. Who you know who are going to be the playmakers on defense? How is that defensive line going to hold up? You know, you got a lot more. Uh, answers now you got a lot more sense of who this team is and and then uh, to me that really helps you then go to work and 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 get this team functioning you know yeah i mean truly in that pudding who our leaders are right now you know exactly Quan brisker ellis brooks i mean arnold ebiketti pj mustafer uh you know uh, noah kane sean sean clifford obviously he's one a leader john Johnson, Johnson, obviously we we didn't even mention his name i know you know he he had five catches for 102 yards i mean uh, you and know, in many ways, he was he was a player of the game. To, he you know, could have had him. four touchdowns if you know, once Frank, once uh, excuse me, Clifford gets you know locks in on this offense with Yursich, they're going to shore it up. They're going to shore up some of these problems. I think Clifford's going to going to get better, and I think Dehan Dotson is going to be the recipient of a lot of that um, moving forward. I really believe it. I do. Well, look. Um, there's a there's a lot uh, to build on and a lot of places that this can go and um, we're going to get a chance to see how they build on it this coming Saturday against Ball State. Um, they're playing a three thirty game. It's going to be a nationally televised game on Fox Sports One, and uh, this is your MAC matchup that's very common for Penn State to play one MAC team every year. Um, but this is not your typical MAC team because uh, they won the MAC 
last year. They, uh, I think, were they seven and one. A, a good Buffalo team for the championship. Beat Buffalo in the conference championship, and um, and then they went to a bowl and, and notched their first ever bowl win against San Jose State. They ended the season ranked number twenty three. And uh, Tom, oh, what? What were we ranked last year at the end of the season? Uh, pretty much dead last in my mind. No, no, we, <laughs> we no, were to- we we were dead last for the first five games of the year for sure. We we closed out with four straight wins. We're now on a fi- fifth game winning streak. We are not the same team we were for the first five games of the season. That's very much obvious. But Ball State, but all that to say, Ball State we, is we it did a- not sniff the. We did yeah. not sniff the uh, top twenty-five. Yeah, Ball uh, State looked better than us. We left for darn sure. Oh, yeah, yeah. So um, look, they also are returning a whole lot of talent. They have twenty starters from last year's team coming back. Yeah, including uh, a very high-performing uh, quarterback-wide receiver combo. Um, yeah, um, I, I was really impressed with the the numbers on this uh, on this quarterback who's playing for Ball State. Yeah. What, what name, can you tell us about him? His name's Drew Plitt. He's a fifth-year senior. Um, he threw for almost 2,200 yards. He threw for 17 touchdowns and only six interceptions. And he has two senior wide receivers that he likes getting the ball to. One's a fifth-year senior in Justin Hall. He uh, had last year had 665 yards re- receiving with four touchdowns to go along with 231 yards rushing and a touchdown. So he's a d- multi-dimensional uh, threat there. Um, and then the their other uh, senior uh, wide receiver is Johannes Tyler, and he had 607 yards, but also eight touchdowns to go along with that. I mean, that's that's how many Jahan Dotson had last year. So these yeah, guys keep like, in mind these are these are across uh, eight total games played last right, year. Right. So it's not a full season. Yeah, right? less less games so, than we played. Right. So, so these are better numbers. These are pretty impressive numbers. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they they did lose their running back. They did lose their kicker. Um, but they got a coach that's been there with, for six years, and he knows what he's doing with them, and he's making their program better and better. It obviously, seems like. Um, but uh, you know, it's their it's it's our first non conference home game since September fourteenth, two thousand nineteen. So two yeah, years. If you're scratching your head. Conference. If you're if you're scratching your heads about how that could be, it's because we didn't remember we did not play any non-conference games right, right. last year. Yeah. So um, yeah. So we're bringing in a, a non-conference guest, first of two in a row. Yep. Um, on uh, first since September fourteenth. Yep. So that that's kind of fascinating. It's also our first September fourteenth, two thousand nineteen. <laughs> Mind you. <laughs> yeah. Yes, exactly. September 14th, 2019. Yeah. It's also our first home game with uh, with fans yep. since November of 2019. Yep. November 30th, 2019, we played Rutgers at home. That was the last time we had uh, had a crowd in the stadium. So, uh, you know, it's not a whiteout, but it is a 3.30 game. I would expect uh, a very full stadium. In fact, uh, Franklin's calling for uh, the start of a sellout streak um and um yeah it's going to be a really highly exciting charged atmosphere kind of game against a quality opponent uh from the mac i mean um, a quality non-con opponent for sure i mean like you know we tip getting a mac opponent usually means like a, a cupcake you know but getting the mac champion who's only who's on a seven game win streak like that's a different kind of thing with the amount of starters they have returning. You know, it's not like our our future opponent after Ball State had a MAC opponent this past weekend in Akron, which is 
been right. a long time. I, I feel like we played Akron a handful of times in the Joe Paterno era. But, you know, <laughs> if we have a game against Akron like Auburn had against – I'm sorry, if we had a game against Ball State like Auburn had against Akron, I'll be pleased because um, Auburn looked fairly legit with like a sixty-one to ten walloping or something like that. It was a, it was a, yeah, it was a whopping, a walloping that they put on Akron. Akron's not a good team. They're certainly not. A no, Ball State. I mean Ball State is no Akron, so I'm definitely right. not expecting that sort of game. Um, and we are favored by uh, twenty-two and a half points as of right now. That seems like a lot, dude. I mean, I, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm reserved on on how well we're going to play against Ball State. Because it, because it's it's that that emotional letdown that can happen and does sometimes happen to these kinds exactly, of teams. Exactly, man. After a very, yeah, very I, difficult I don't, road game, I don't want to overrate our, our, ourselves, you know, so that we get over con, con, overconfident. Yeah. yeah uh, because look, this Ball State team, they know how to play football. They know how to play football together. Yeah. And I think they're going to come in. They're going to be extremely opportunistic. They're going to come in with nothing to lose. Yeah. You know, the truth is after our big win, you know, we do have something to lose. Like now we we see what the stakes for the season really are and um we're going to have to have to be very very careful to play good solid uh football. Um you know, if we allow them to hang around, dude, you know, watch out. Yeah, well, I don't want to I don't want to like get too high on Ball State yet because this is a new year compared to last year's team and and yes fair they enough. have tw- fair enough yes they have twenty returning starters but they played FCS uh, Western Illinois and the game was tied seven seven at the half all right so so they're not necessarily like they didn't roll all over this inferior opponent I mean if we had played an FCS team um, you know we would be expected to roll over them and they essentially had to play the game of their lives to to. <laughs> To uh, to uh, overcome that that kind of a, a half, first half output against an FCS team, so they they came out and they, they ended up winning thirty one to twenty one, but FCS Western Illinois threw for um, approaching four hundred yards against them. Well, that's that's tantalizing. That's isn't tantalizing it? <laughs> for Mike Yursich and hopefully Sean yes. Clifford because <laughs> right, exactly. you know if if. If um, Jahan Dotson's getting behind the the, the safeties and, and cornerbacks like they did against Wisconsin against Ball State, we might be in for that sixty point output. Who knows? Yeah, that which would of course be tremendous to have that kind of day yeah. against an opponent that we expect to have to be you know a quality opponent. Yeah. Um. So let let's talk about some of those matchups, okay? And and let's start right there. Um, on on our offense versus their defense, as you mentioned, um, you know, uh, Ball State gave up 367 yards uh, and two touchdowns. Um, Western Illinois' top receiver had 12 catches for 237 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, so yeah, really interesting opportunity for Jahan Dotson, Parker Washington. Um, you know, Keandre Lambert Smith, who also had a really nice game against Wisconsin. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, chance for Mike Yersich to open it up, right? Yeah, ma'am. I mean, uh, they're, now gonna, rushing, they're, they're gonna be playing the opposite of Wisconsin. They they did not rush for many yards against uh against Western Illinois. Ball State did not. And and so so we're gonna be seeing a totally different offensive attack from um 
from what we, we saw from Wisconsin. So it'll be interesting to see what Brent Pry and our defense does to, you know, switch their mind, the mindset on defense to, to, to a totally different offensive scheme from the, from the opponent. I, I'm very curious to see how that translates to, to an inferior opponent, but a totally different offensive scheme. Like, like is Penn State's defense geared towards that, to, towards just that kind of offense like Wisconsin runs or can we be uh can we pivot can we can we play with any kind of offense that's that's a big a big thing I want to see out of this next game with Ball State is like can our defense switch gears yeah and you wonder you know I mean we knew that Wisconsin was going to rely heavily on the run and um you know so we were playing a lot of man-to-man in in coverage um we were really trying to to make it hard for them to get through um the box and um yeah will we see more zone because of uh, the quality of their quarterback and and the quality of their and receivers and will we see more cornerbacks and defensive backs playing like will we see Keith Keith Nellis yeah. who was a no-show in this last game um will we see uh AJ Lighton the the uh the Florida State um uh transfer who had two unbelievable plays on punt coverage against Wisconsin that were somehow thrown for penalties in in uh um you know uh, the kick interference but but the the kid clearly is a, is a talented athlete and I, I'm curious to see it with a with a uh, different offensive scheme like are we going to be playing more five and six defensive backs in this game and will we see some of these other players that we didn't see on defense playing in in this game because um, even though I know we have two very very athletic linebackers uh, in Curtis Jacobs and and Brandon Smith, you know I don't know if they're hanging with wide receivers and coverage the way that you would uh, hope a defensive back could. So it'll be it'll be really interesting to see how Brent Pry um, switches gears for this this game. Um, yeah, here's the thing. Um, uh- at least in the last game, Ball State's offense was pretty balanced. Okay? Yeah. So they did have a pair of running backs that I think together um, ran for over 200 yards. Yeah. Uh, so, so you know, this idea that they they do you know they they come in with this experienced quarterback and wide receiver, uh, you know, tandem that you know. Is it going to translate to uh, you know a run and, a fun and gun or or are they going to stay balanced? Are they going to try to force us to stop the run uh, so that they can open up passing lanes? I, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see how Brent Pry comes That's out. The beauty of for college that. football, agree. baby, is the, is the unknown. Yeah. It's like what kind of team are you going to see? I mean, dude, when when um, this Western Illinois team that came in to, to this Ball State game had only won two. Uh, they were two and sixteen over the past two seasons. So we, so Ball State saw a Western Illinois team that was not what they were accustomed or, or, or predicting to see. So again, the beauty of college football is that on any given Saturday, you could see a totally different team, including Penn yeah. State's. You know, who, yeah, who knows? Right. what exactly. kind of it's team so are we going to see? That's true. I mean, we are talking about eighteen to twenty-two year olds generally. Yeah. So, um, you know, I think the other big question I have uh, about Ball State's offense is the what's the quality of their offensive line? Mm-hmm. You know, did yeah. they really face, you know, a, a defensive front that that resembles anything like Penn State? How are they going to hold up? Um, you know, are they going to give the quarterback time to run? Are they going to create uh, lanes? For uh, you know the ball state rushers to 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 get some room, I, you know I, I think you know I, I want to assume 
that their offensive line is just not going to be up to the task of ultimately. But, you know, you never know, right? I mean, again, you don't get through a season like the Ball State has had um, last season with with inept play on the offensive line. So um, it'll be an interesting test to see, you know, and again, going from Wisconsin to Ball State, you know, what kind of differences do you see on the offensive lines and how can we sort of take the next step um, right. uh, in our front seven? Um, I, I would love to see us shut them down. I would love to see us harassing um, their quarterback. I would love to see um, some some fumbles uh, caused and recovered. But, you know, you got you to gotta give some respect to this team who, you know, they know how to play football. They've played good football now going on. Uh, this is their second season in a row with, with some really solid football play with, um, you know, with a talented coach and talented players around him. So, um, you know, I think flipping the side, and we talked a little bit about the opportunity for offense to uh, to throw the ball in a major kind of way. I also do wonder, can we get the running game going? And, you know, I think last game we saw that the pass kind of was really used to set up the run. And I think that's one of the big things that didn't work in the first half is we just went to the run game sort of right out of the gate and and they stuffed us. Yeah. You know, uh, they stuffed us pretty handsomely. And it wasn't until we really got our passing game going that the running game, uh, you know, got underway. I'd be interested to see, I'd be interested to see whether, um, I'd be willing to you bet know, we're we going to take that same approach. Yeah, I'd be willing to bet you money that we that Sean Clifford has a much better day passing, and we kind of are clicking on the pass game. And then just when they have we have them on their heels, thinking pass, pass, pass. Noah Kane busts one to the second level, makes a guy miss, bowls another guy over, gets a twenty-five yard run yeah. here and there. And, and I'll and, be honest, that's that's really what I want to see. Well, yeah. Right now, I yeah. don't I don't want to see us try to like oh let's run straight into the teeth of the defense two or three times in a row and like you know now we're on third and long again and you know we got to punt it away again right like i'd love to see the passing game get going really get this defense on their heels and then you know you you, you hit them you know right between the teeth with noah kane but again if we can get that running game going to keep them off balance as an important component of the whole offense i really like that um either way we gotta we gotta see the run game find its footing in a major well, way Let's, let's I want put to it see this that way. This week. Let's put it this way, Andy. I mean, this running back by committee approach. Do you feel strongly about it lo- working well against Ohio State, or do you think we need a guy to lean on against the, a, a team like Ohio State and and to wear that defense down with a bruising, punishing, never like hardly going down, always falling forward, ha- hardly going down with the first tackler at least. Um, you know, always falling forward. Noah Kane, like that's that kind of workman like attitude and mentality from a from an offensive standpoint and, and from a running back standpoint, going into another team's house, controlling the clock, controlling the ball, and wearing them down. I think versus a team like Ohio State, like that can pay dividends. And I need to see the proof in the pudding happening in early on in this season to to really believe in that and so the t- so the players can really believe in that so the so the offensive line can really believe in that so Noah Kane can really believe in himself uh, you know cuz the proof is already there and it's against teams like uh, you know Ball State that you should really be able to control the line of scrimmage and really get a run game going like i you know i don't want to yeah, see I- another 70 yard offensive output from our running team our running game rather yeah, or 50 I, I agree. whatever it was uh, 
you know, it's valuable to have solid backup running backs, right? Who are ready to go, who know how to play the game. And and to a certain extent, you got to get them game experience in order to get that, um, you know, get that ready. But, but, I would love to see Noah Kane get established first. Like, yeah, I mean, give him these next two or three games, and then start ro- rotating the guys in at once. Once, because it's not just the back, right? It's the back plus the quarterback plus the offensive line that that it takes to find the rhythm. I'd say get these guys going and get them clicking, and then you know, once you have a rhythm established, give Noah Kane uh, some downtime. I mean, and, he hasn't had a hundred yard game since 2019, man. Like, like you got to give this, let this guy find his rhythm. He he needs yeah, that. I, I he really needs. That. I agree totally. Look, here's the other thing we should mention before we leave this this sort of matchup conversation. Uh, the Ball State defense is. Uh, they got some playmakers. They are they are not pushovers. Um, they have um, two senior linebackers in Jalen Thomas and Christian Albright. Uh, they combined for 16 tackles um, and a tackle for loss uh, in their last game. Um, that as a team, Ball State had four tackles for loss. They had um, some. Uh, a sophomore defensive lineman, by the way, of Tavion, by the name of Tavion Woodward, who had two sacks. So, um, you know, th- these guys have a chance to be disruptive. Um, it, you know, it's not going to be like I said, it's not going to be like Akron, where we're just, you know, able to run all over them. I, I think we've got to get our our run game going. We've got to get them on their heels, uh, and Sean Clifford's got to get his well, completion percentage up and 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 really kind of take this game to them to, to keep them from sort of sharpening their knives uh, on defense um, to further outline how important I think it is to get Noah Kane going I mean the we have not committed to Noah Kane running the ball in a in a regular season game since the uh, since October 12th of 2019 against Iowa we gave him 22 carries for 102 yards and a touchdown okay so so and then since then uh, against Michigan he only got 5 carries against um Michigan State uh he only had 6 carries against Ohio State he only had one carry that's to close out the rest of that season all right and then and then um and then he was injured and he 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 didn't um you know play again or I guess he was injured a little bit and then he came back for the Cotton Bowl game against Memphis when he had 15 carries for 92 yards and two touchdowns but I mean, to, for a regular season Big Ten game, he hasn't been given the lion's share, and and only, and it only he was only given the lion's share in two games, and they were those back to back games against Purdue and Iowa in the middle of that season when he had uh, thirty four carries for two hundred and seven yards and two touchdowns. Other than that, we haven't leaned on him yet. So so you really, if he's your if he's your number one back. You got to start leaning on him and and letting him prove it to himself cuz cuz while we think of him as that that you know number one back he really hasn't put it to practice and the big and the Penn State uh offensive coaching staff hasn't put it to practice with him yet consistently so so I think it's really time. Like now, now is the time to 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 really believe in Noah Kane and 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 show him that you believe in him. So then he can start believing in himself. 
because I think that confidence will go a long way in the Big Ten uh, slate, which is going to be a very, very difficult slate, and we're going to need a workhorse running back to carry us through some of those, um, you know, Clifford uh, ineptitude series that that are probably still on the docket. Uh, <laughs> yeah, moving forward. Yeah, you expect to see you expect to see some struggles from Clifford going forward, especially when he gets under pressure. So yeah, yeah. Let's let's have a reliable running back. Yeah, hundred percent with you. Yeah. Well, look. Um, you know, you can still feel the excitement pouring off of us from that great win, and we're looking to see the gravy train continue this week at Ball State. Tom, as we leave the conversation about Ball State here, do you have a final key to the game that that you think is going to be crucial for victory this coming week? Against I mean, Ball State? against Ball State, you just you just want to prove that you can be dominant and and line up against a lesser opponent and not get pushed around, not get beat, not not be not get beat by having the other team play more technically sound or playing better as a as a unit. Like you just carved out an amazing building block against Wisconsin. You got to build off of that. You've got to do better than that, and you've got to show it against a lesser and an inferior opponent. And I'm sorry, that's just what Ball State is. I don't care how you slice it. They almost uh, they they had a tough game against an FCS Western Illinois. All right, so so it's clear that you're the better team. You have you have b- bigger stars, stronger stars, tougher stars, faster stars. You know, more talent across the board on every in every phase. I need to see us being dominant in every phase of the game, and that goes with field goal kicking too, and extra point kicking. And I want to see yeah, if that seriously. unit can can shore up those problems. Because those are glaring problems moving forward. If special teams can make or break a game, make or break a season, and um, I, I'll look to see if Jake Pinneger, who didn't, who did, who was there but didn't play, why he wasn't kicking extra points, why he wasn't kicking the, the short field goals. I need to see if if he's actually going to be a part of this team moving forward because it was very shaky for Jordan Stout in the field goal kicking game. Uh, I love him as a kicker. All four, all four of his kickoffs went uh, you know for touchbacks. Love him as a punter. Obviously, you know sky's the limit for him literally in punting. And uh, you know just I you know Franklin has said um, in years past, including last year and the year before, like I don't want my kickers having all the kicking duties. He has said that he wants specialists for each of those elements uh, of, of special teams kicking. So it's very confusing to me why Jake Pinneger did not play, even though he was there and dressed. So, so those are my, my keys to the game are, are showing up the special teams uh, miscues, um, but proving to ourselves that we could be dominant in every phase of the game. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I mean, this is a quality Mac opponent. But <laughs> you want to see Penn State show themselves to be su- the superior team. Um, and for me, I'll, I'll just be a little more specific with my key. And it, to me, it's got to be get this offense humming. Yeah. Get this offense humming, both the the passing game and the run game. Uh, specifically, I would like to see Sean Clifford throw for over three, 350 yards. Yeah, and I would like to see our running backs combined run for over 150 yards. Yeah, that'd be great. I'd like to see us stringing positive plays together, mm-hmm. multiple plays in a row stacked on top of each other. Which in the first half of this past game we did not see. We did start to see it in the second half of the game, but we gotta we gotta 
have a couple of plays in a row that starts to get that defense on their heels. Can we be consistent in running and passing? And can Sean Clifford get his completion percentage up there? That that for me, we got to get our offense humming. Look, hey, we, hey we, we, we we played a tough defense against Wisconsin, and we're going to be playing Auburn coming up. Right. This is our chance. This is our chance to to work out the kinks for the Mike Yersich offense. Well, so and, and really find our footing. So with with if 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 our you know, keys to the game uh, come to fruition, Andy. What do you what do you predict for the game? What do you predict for uh, an <laughs> yeah. outcome, point wise? Oh man! Well, there's there's what do I want to see, and then what do I? It's what you what believe. I, it's what you believe. What a hedge! <laughs> yeah. Um. Like, I, you will know, the defense dominate again the whole yeah. game. It's gonna be yeah. tough. It's gonna be tough just because of what they just went through. <laughs> I mean, to be relied upon yeah. in that game the whole darn game long, like they might have a. It's hard to get up for a Ball State after playing Wisconsin in a game like that. It's got to be hard to get up for every play against Ball State. I mean, look what Oklahoma did against Tulane. You know, if you don't, if you don't, if you're like. Notre Dame and you're like Oklahoma and you underestimate your opponent. Yeah. If you're yeah. like Washington, you underestimate your opponent. Like the bad things can happen to to the best of the teams. To the best you gotta of them. You got to put a team like this away early. And yeah, then, agreed. And then, and then agreed. Keep, we, yeah, keep your foot on the that's gas. That's it. It's getting ahead right. early and, 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 you know, building that lead. So, you know, quite frankly, if we're gonna get some of these other guys in the team some reps, it's against Ball State and 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 Villanova are the best chances we've got to be able to do that. Yeah, so, I'm not necessarily looking to see uh, the second string on on this game. I, I mean, think like I to. think it's gonna. I, I would like to as well, but I, I think it's gonna be a, a a tougher fought game than that. I, I'm gonna. I mean, I'm gonna give you a score that doesn't sound like it's gonna be a tough fought game, but I think it's a game that Ball State. Um, is in until the second half. Um, I'm going to go 45 to 20. Mm-hmm. I think Ball State's going to get some offense going. They're going to break some some big plays, maybe get some passing going. Um, I, I think the Mike Yersich offense finds its footing, though. We're going to score a lot of points. Um, Jahan Dotson's going to get a couple of scores. Uh, we're going to find... Um, you know Noah Kane with a hundred plus yard day, and um, I think ultimately it's it, we're going to double them up uh, 40, 45 to twenty. So I, I like the I like the Penn State score there forty five. Uh, that's kind of what I was thinking too. Um, however, I do think the defense comes out strong again. Um, I, I think the defense is hungry. I think the the performance they put forth in Wisconsin showed they were hungry and eager to prove something. They did not relent. And I don't think that they're going to relent in a home opener first time in front of fans. I think they're going to prove that it wasn't a fluke against uh, Wisconsin, that this this defense is, is is announcing its intentions for the rest of the season with a dominant performance against uh, Ball State that, that struggled against uh, FCS Western Illinois, to be honest. Um, I think I think our matchups are, are look somewhat favorable uh, on defense, and I, I think we'll be able to disrupt uh, their their offense quite a bit, uh, both in the backfield and in our secondary, um, picking off a couple plays. I look to, for Joey Porter to have an interception, uh, and I look for uh, Ellis Brooks to continue his dominance, even though he won't play in the first half. Uh, I, I think that he'll once he gets back out there, uh, he'll he'll make his presence felt, and I do see Brandon Smith getting a couple of uh, splash plays in the backfield 
tackle for loss, sack, whatever it is, a couple of those. Um, so I think I think that um, and I might even we might even see a defensive touchdown. I kind of have that, that weird feeling like that's how opportunistic our defense is. Um, so I'm looking at 45 to, to seven. I'm looking at a 45 to seven victory for Penn State. Um, the, the run game gets going, and Clifford uh, for the second week in a row does not turn the ball over. I love it. Uh, now, now, and I, I, I want real quick, Andy, to to um, to say closing thoughts because I just um, before we get into your, uh, yours and my closing thoughts, I just want to say uh, I just saw through the blotter came through two of our opponents, two stars for our future opponents. Actually, no, I'm sorry, we don't play Minnesota later this year, but Minnesota's running back Ibrahim uh, is out for the season after his injury oh, against uh, after he had a great his dominant game. performance against Ohio State, which really was the reason that they. Ended up losing the game, in my opinion, was all their mojo was at from from Mo Ibrahim. Uh, he's done for the year, but Michigan's star wide receiver Ronnie Bell out for the season with a Ooh. with an ankle or lower leg injury. Oh, so man. so that's uh, that's tough blow. for them. Um, yeah, I just wanted to get those in real quick. Yeah, I mean, closing thoughts is I'm excited for this team. Uh, sky's the limit. Yeah, we found out that the, it's going to be tough sledding our away games slate is is really really tough but we showed that we've got what it takes to go into a, a tough opponent's own house a uh, play solid it, it's going to be sweet to see beaver stadium rocking this week i'm looking forward to the game i'm looking forward to good things i'm looking forward to seeing mike yersich show what he can really do against a, a ball state team that uh though talented is i think going to be overmatched uh, i'm excited so um mike- yeah i, I you know, my <laughs> I need to be careful not to get too overexcited because uh, I, I've been burned I'm before, not, man. I'm not going to be careful. <laughs> I'm not going to be careful right now to get too overexcited because I have I have closing thoughts that that are legitimate. Um, Let's and, hear it. And that that is that. I mean, man, do you remember? I think it was like 2017, or maybe it was 2016. I I think it was the 2016 game against Ohio State. There was like some some video or or like you know montage, uh, you know, from the media department at Penn State, and it was like Franklin was talking to his boys either at halftime or before the game, and he's like, "Opportunity is knocking on your door. Opportunity is knocking on your door," and that's yes. what's happening right now. You beat you beat yes. Wisconsin, and that is opportunity is now knocking on your door. With all the teams that lost, uh, you know this this first opening week, amazing opening week, and it's a long season ahead. But that opportunity is knocking right now. I mean, Clemson just lost to Georgia without scoring an offensive point. Clemson doesn't play another ranked opponent the rest of the year right now, and here we have like Auburn very well could be ranked when we play them in two weeks. Um, you know, Iowa's going to be ranked. Indiana probably will still be ranked. Um, Ohio State's going to be ranked. Michigan is going to be ranked. Uh, and Michigan State is looking like a, a, a resurgent right now. I'm not saying that they're going to be a top team or anything, but like our slate looks tough moving forward. And that equates to opportunity. Clemson's opportunities are, I'm not trying to compare us to Clemson. I'm not. I'm just saying the opportunities that Clemson has moving forward to make a, a, a statement on, on a national stage, they don't have many of those opportunities moving forward with ranked opponents. Penn State has a very strong Big East slate in front of them and, and a, a, a cup, you know, with Wisconsin and now coming up Iowa, a couple of crossover uh, games in the other division. These are opportunities, and Penn State just checked one opportunity off. So, opportunity is knocking, boys. 
Man, we had to wait halfway through a dismal season to talk about a Penn State win last year. And it just feels so good to be starting off with a win a yeah. win like this against yeah, a team like Wisconsin. We started. Uh, this is we, so fun. This is so fun. To we started a podcast last year during a pandemic, <laughs> during the worst, the worst start for not just a Penn State team, but the worst start for a t- preseason top ranked team in history. Zero and I mean, five. So, uh, so, so yeah, let the uh, Andy <laughs> for us. <laughs> you know, let let the revenge tour begin. Uh, let the redemption tour redemption begin. Redemption tour, uh, redemption it, tour for sure. It, it yeah, it it it's a great way That's to start. I love I love the opportunity ahead of us. I'm excited to see this team uh, play this coming week. 3.30 p.m., uh, a home game nationally televised on Fox Sports 1. I'll be tuning in. Hope you all will, too. Um, until hey, then. email um, us. Email us, please. Yeah. Let please. us know what you're thinking. We're begging. We're begging. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, and if you want us to, if you want us to talk about uh, the, 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 that, that, that Saturday's game, send us something Sunday night. We're, we're yeah. really in a, in a Monday morning uh, yeah. recording cycle. So, But if you, if you want to if you want to hear more about uh, that that uh, Wisconsin win, still still send us an email. We'll be happy to to address it on mailbag. Yeah. Um, and um, in the meantime, uh, bro, it always starts with "I love you," and it ends with "I love you." I love you, bro. Man, we are Penn State. We are. <laughs> All right, thanks for Talk thanks guys for listening. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Blue and White Brothers. Join us next time for another great episode about Penn State football. Want to make sure you don't miss an episode? Be sure to hit subscribe before you go. And if you enjoyed the show, please don't hesitate to give us a five-star review with overwhelming words of adulation and praise. 